0: What's up everybody, welcome back to the Schlepp. We are continuing to work down the shelf of Paul's letters and we've already covered up to the book of Philippians so we take another step to the right with Colossians and uh, we're gonna just boil down this book as quickly as possible so that if you are doing some devotional reading within it, you'll know maybe the bigger story behind it and it'll make sense in some of the finer parts of it. So stay tuned for the boil down on here on the Schlepp. All right, all right. Here we are, seeking to boil down the book of Colossians, this letter from the Apostle Paul to a New Testament community that he seems to have a fondness for, and uh, to get to the heart of the letter to the Colossian church of the church in Colossae, we need to t- talk about the city itself. Uh, Colossae was in the Triangle Trade Route. In Asia Minor and the Roman Empire. So there's nearby Laodicea, which is a city that's mentioned uh, different times in the New Testament. Probably it's most famously mentioned in the book of Revelation. And the city of Ephesus, which was a large city. Uh, we've already talked about the city of Ephesus on the podcast where we boil down Ephesians. Uh, but perhaps 100,000 people. Influential city. And so that was the epicenter of trade. If you can make it to Ephesus... You know that you've made it. So some of these other little communities like Colossae, Laodicea, are like these feeder cities that feed the mega jumbo metropolis of Ephesus. And so um, what we, if we look at some customs, if we look at some activity in these cities, it seems to, in my mind, kind of work like uh, Major League um, team system where you have like the single A, the double A, the upper double A, the triple A, and then you get to the majors. And so Colossae seemed to be like a minor club community to Ephesus, the major ball club. So um, if you wanted to sell something, you would try to cut your teeth in a city like Colossae. If you're a philosopher, you would try uh, your act and your routine and your teaching in a city like Colossae to hopefully get called up to Ephesus where you like expand your market a little bit. And So uh, I think the Colossian community um, was one that was always exposed to new ideas, uh, either good ideas, not so good ideas, either brilliant innovation or snake oil. And so uh, what we see maybe at the heart of this letter is Paul's appeal to a church that he loves uh, for them to be a bit more discerning. About what's going on out there. It's worth noting that in the first few hundred years of the church, perhaps the major opponent that some of the later theologians in the second century, third century, fourth century had to deal with was Gnosticism, Gnosticism. So you could Wikipedia that, you can look that up to get the finer points of Gnosticism. But they suggested that we're trapped, this is what Gnosticism's main teaching is, that we're trapped in our bodily. Existence uh, exposed to limitations because of the matter, uh, the flesh and the blood, the realness of the concreteness of who we are, and uh, there's secret knowledge out there, which is where Gnosticism comes from—gnosis, knowledge—that if you and I can get exposed to this secret knowledge, that we will free ourselves from this limited fleshly existence and transcend into the supernatural or to non-body existence and uh, get the upgrade uh, to something better. And so this is in the water uh, in the New Testament community in the first century. But that that plant, Gnosticism, begins to flower further and further. And so uh, teachers throughout the first several centuries of the church, uh, some of the ecumenical councils that address some of the heresies out there, Oftentimes they will address Gnosticism uh, because at the heart of the Christian story is that the infinite God has taken on flesh, the finite, in Jesus Christ. And so God is fully human and uh, fully God at the same time. And so one of the early challenges intellectually, theologically, for these New Testament communities is to put together this rather paradoxical and challenging belief That God is fully God and fully human, the God that we find in Jesus Christ. And so the offshoots there are Trinitarian theology and so on and so forth. And so what I find, we import that, uh, which is important in uh, the letter to the Colossian church, is that Colossians has a brilliant piece of theology, but also a brilliant uh, piece of practical living. So if you look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 and following, is this brilliant piece of theology uh, where the Apostle Paul uh, begins to address this early flower, this early plant of Gnosticism, um, he says in verses fifteen and following, "The Son, being Jesus, who was fully God, fully human, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things are held together and were created; things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him." He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in him everything might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So you got a couple of these ideas being woven together by the Apostle Paul. First, he talks about Jesus being infinite, before all things. And how Jesus is the sum of all things. All things make their headway from and in and through Jesus. Um, But also God was pleased to have God's self fully embodied. Um, in Christ. And so we're already like taking a run at this early Gnostic teaching. And so as Paul is trying to equip the church, he wants to equip them theologically. He's saying perhaps that there are some false teachers out there who are trying to tell you that anything that is good has to be spiritual and is contra or not flesh. Um, He says that's, that's an error because what we find in Christ is the fullness of human and the fullness of divine in the same person. Um, This is what he says towards the end of this passage. He says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope he had held on the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So this is the gospel. It's a scandalous idea that the one God is fully spirit and fully body in Christ, and that is the true revelation. There's no other secret knowledge out there being whispered that most of humanity has not heard and only a few elite ones have heard. No, Paul says this is the gospel that has been shared to all of humanity and continues to be shared to all humanity. So here we have a great work of theology, Paul taking a run at one of the uh, desperate theological ideas and things that needed to be embraced for the Colossian community, uh, because once again, philosophers... Other teachers are trying to win people over through this quote-unquote new teaching, and Paul's saying, no, this is the one true revelation of God, the one that you've heard, the one that you found your faith in, the one that you find in Jesus Christ. But then on the other hand, uh, Colossians is a great work of practical life. So where uh, Colossians one fifteen and following is a great orthodoxy or right teaching, Colossians 3, 1 and following is a great orthopraxy, or the right practice, or the right embodiment. Um, Which this is common in Paul's letters. He doesn't just provide teaching, but he also provides a so what. So he, uh, at times, will give a great grand idea out there. But he also gives some practical or praxis application to it. And so what you see from Colossians 3, 1 through 17, is this great so what. So Paul goes through this great winding road of what it means to believe in Christ and then in uh, three and following he gives some to-do's about how to uh, deepen one's walk with God but also how to dwell together in community because what you'll find, and this is in similar places like Galatians chapter 5 and Romans chapter 12 and uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and uh, Philippians chapter 4 is that Paul gives a matter of fact Way of living, so he he does some uh, certain things here. He says uh, in verse five of chapter three, put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Um, He goes on further, uh, verse nine: Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of its the image of its creator. Uh, He says, verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever, if you have any grievance that you have against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And above all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So Paul is obsessed, not just with the thinking life of the believer and of the community, but also the practice of, uh, life of the believer and the community and you'll notice that the majority if not all these admonitions all these virtues that Paul puts towards the church they're things that we do in community it's not just something that we do in isolation but we do as we devote ourselves to one another and so that's the gist of the book of Colossians um, let's take a look at uh, a particular person as we close with the passage uh, one of the characters of the New Testament is an unsung hero in the life of the church is a guy named Epaphras and I love him because he's known for his compassion and his prayer life so if you go to Colossians chapter 4 verse 12 in a very short passage we'll conclude with this Epaphras who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus sends greetings he is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God mature and fully assured Uh, what an What a brilliant way to be described as a believer, someone who sends greetings, someone who is wrestling in prayer that other believers might stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I think we have some epaphrases in our midst, and if you would like to find uh, some sort of handle, some sort of biblical character to model your own life after, and if you think, man, the Apostle Paul, Peter... Like Barnabas, all these dudes are just way too above what I could ever aspire to be. Maybe Epaphras can be your patron saint, one who wrestles in prayer and the one who has high hopes for all the believers around him. Maybe he be, he he becomes your lead blocker uh, for the Christian life. So why don't you just think on those things. Think about this as you uh, read through the book of Colossians, uh, this great, uh, wise, and thoughtful, and compassionate letter that Paul sends Uh, to an early community that he loved well that's all for this time we're going to continue to work down the shelf boiling down the letters of paul we'll turn to a section called the pastorals where paul sends some general pastoral letters to different churches that are out there so we'll get to first thessalonians the very next time but before we go just want to remind you once again that i have a website joeskillen.com there's some blogs that i do on there and i've been trying to get into a rhythm each week and I just want to make mention of Tuesdays of every week. We call it Text Tuesday, where I take a word that we find in the Old and New Testaments, go back to their original Hebrew and Greek meeting, and try to get just a short little ditty, just a short little teaching to get us deeper into the world of the Bible. I encourage you to tune in on Tuesdays to joskillen.com and uh, maybe expand a bit of our knowledge of the biblical text. Well, that's all for this time. I'll see you next time on The Schlepp.